Welcome to the Talking Servals Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Jones, joined today by Sheen Bristles, Senior Engineering Manager at Lego.com. For those who don't know, Sheen has been traveling around the world sharing stories about Lego.com's serverless migration. Sheen has also been involved in tech and in software engineering uh, for over three decades now. How are you doing today, Sheen? Hey, Ryan. Glad to be here. I'm good. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah, no, we're really, we're really happy to have you on the, the podcast. I actually saw your conference talk at serverless conference. Uh, I've been following you for quite some time. So it's good to finally get to dive deeper into it. Yeah, pleasure to be here. Perfect. So kind of going to uh, your journey in tech, um, starting from the beginning, how did how did all this start? Um, did you go to college for this? Did you get interested as a kid and then build into it? <laughs> so, so you're making me go back all the way. Yes. <laughs> Uh, I started off my IT career journey early 90s. So I did uh, four years uh, engineering. That was uh, civil engineering. Then I wanted to switch over to software. So I spent another three years um, uh, studying uh, computers and software. And then I jumped into the industry. And uh, initially, I was working for engineering consultancy combining my civil engineering knowledge along with uh, software in order to uh, make uh, tools and software for the the engineering design kind of things. Then soon after, I jumped on to uh, the commercial uh, uh, software stream. So, so, so that's where I started and kind of the, you know, it's a long journey. So early days, procedural language, um, the old, you know, methodologies probably no one aware of things like uh, structured systems analysis and design. Then moved on to OO, uh, OOA, OOD, and then you know carried forward onto C plus plus and Java and web services and now cloud serverless. So that's kind of a, you know in a in a nutshell my journey so far. It's cool that you um you were doing civil engineering before and you kind of made that transition um and then you got to see the the progression over the different decades and so I guess the next question would be seeing this kind of progression uh, throughout your career and how you know going from like C plus plus and now talking about using web services and cloud and serverless what have you seen the biggest change be over the last three decades so many things happen so if you if you journey that long or even you know <clears throat> beyond then one thing is you start to respect or appreciate the different technologies at different stages it's not like uh, you know uh, you're fighting against rest versus soap services or graphql versus this because you understand as you journey through the different uh, evolution of um, the, the the phases of uh, the industry and the different technologies so one thing that uh, uh, the the excitement now is that the technology is more closer to everyone than it used to be. That to me is a you know sort of the biggest uh, change that happened. So you know come back to the traditional olden days. Now everyone is active, equipped with uh, the technology on their fingertips, and you know so that's the way things are moving. Even when it com- comes to the current computing model like cloud or serverless, we start talking about the edge computing and beyond. So, so that's to me is sort of the most, you know, exciting thing that happening at the moment. 
So around um, tech being closer to to everyone, is this kind of getting a that is this kind of like serverless? And some people have described serverless as like lowering the barrier of entry for people. Is that sort of what you're getting at? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And so you know, to kind of transition into your current role, what does it look like in your day to day at Lego? So I, I I'm with Lego for just over four years. So I joined when when there was this thinking of. Uh, Moving to microservices and migrating the, the old legacy uh, e-commerce platform. So then, uh, you know, sort of different uh, uh, things happened uh, during the migration and uh, to cloud and now it's serverless. So when we were moving to serverless, I was heavily involved in the early team that uh, uh, predominantly involved in um, bringing out the serverless services. So I worked with engineers to, you know, make that happen uh, while working with the other teams around to make the entire thing uh, moving forward. But now recently, I kind of stepped uh, away from that uh, direct involvement with a, a particular team or anything, but I kind of oversee uh, engineers, and I work with uh, <clears throat> product owners and uh, stakeholders and uh, bringing out architectural constructs or uh, discussing with uh, uh, the, the engineers and also proposing and uh, uh, putting out the best practices and how can we, um, in my own way, say, accelerate what we have attained so far onto the newer and uh, you know, a greater level. So that's kind of my day-to-day activities. Now I kind of moved on from the hands-on uh, roles, but uh, occasionally I do um, uh, POCs here and there, but otherwise uh, mostly working with uh, uh, te- technologies and en- enabling the teams to adopt uh, uh, the best practices and uh, the new technologies that come on board and how can we uh, make use of them and also uh, extract value out of those things uh, to bring more uh, benefits to lego.com. So that's sort of my current uh, role. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's cool to hear the the transition after starting four years ago and then seeing the migration. Or they might have already been migrated to cloud and seeing the migration to serverless and being heavily involved in that. Um, so what you just mentioned around uh, kind of accelerating what you have so far. How has it been when when y'all started dabbling in serverless and actually getting started? How many people on the team had exposure to serverless, and and how did y'all handle getting people up to speed on the team to make sure that they were they're effective? Um, yes, so that's a good question. So when we were thinking of um, <clears throat> experimenting serverless and taking that part of the journey, then we only had uh, two or three engineers. Um, with a little bit amount of serverless knowledge, not a great deal. But then um, I was there along with the other uh, senior engineers and the team that were behind, uh, be, behind, uh, um, you know, providing these engineers the the knowledge and the direction they need to progress. And uh, so that really helped. So that uh, that way we were able to slowly bring in. Uh, uh, more engineers to the to the team so that they also learned and started to um, uh, produce uh, more uh, services. But uh, as with any anyone starting new with serverless, 
the the we didn't uh, uh, stick around trying to make everything perfect so we wanted to move forward we wanted to produce things that uh, stakeholders can see that we are making progress so that's sort of the uh, the approach and the attitude we had i would say that uh, it's uh, it's a, it's a good and also some people may uh, uh, disagree and uh, the the point is that from day one if we start to make everything perfect then it's not going to move at all so that sort of the uh, the the approach we took and it paid off and that what helped uh, with that approach was that because we were able to um, progress faster and faster now we also identified the tech depth or the areas that we uh, we had to improve so that soon followed with the uh, the the development speed that we had so that really kind of helped once we reached our target or reached the migration done so then was time for us to uh, put uh, things in you know good order where we had to uh, deal with a certain things or where we had to um, uh, put uh, uh, processes or uh, uh, you know the practices in place so that way it kind of uh, we kind of able to uh, bring together and now we are moving in a much much better uh, position you kind of pointed out um, almost like a methodology around making sure it's not exactly perfect but having at least something to show um, and it, it makes me wonder would that be the advice that you'd give to another company that might be starting to think about doing serverless like move move quick build traction yes of course it, it it depends because when 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 teams move to serverless um you don't expect everyone to be fully active, equipped with uh, the serverless uh, uh, knowledge because if you look at the serverless ecosystem there are a number of services they they need to be brought together when you when you provide a you know a decent uh, solution in place a serverless solution in place it's not just the you know a few lambda functions uh, you know working together so so it's impossible to uh, accumulate all those uh, you know the service knowledge that you, that the team requires from day one so that's why i always say that make a start and as you move forward slowly iterate and make things better so that gives you the the ability to see your progression so which is very important so that's what motivates you at the same time you also learning and to you know moving faster and faster so yeah so that's that would be my my kind of advice but uh, you know it again depends organization to organizations right but uh, if if you if you start with a you know simplistic view and slowly um, iterate and uh, kind of scale upwards then then that you know that that would work uh, uh, wonders and another thing that came up while you were talking was uh, after you all started making progress and had something to show, how long before other teams took notice and before maybe other leadership uh, in the company started actually going like, oh, hey, this serverless thing might actually uh, might actually work? Uh, difficult question to answer, actually, because <laughs> so so I represent, uh, I, I am part of the team um, that runs Lego.com. But uh, if you look at uh, the Lego group as a whole, there are different departments, different teams uh, doing cloud as well as serverless, uh, serverless development works. But uh, if, if, you know, I can only talk uh, 
about the lego.com experience and even in with even within uh, lego.com after the initial um, serverless experience what happened was the, the the team grew because we you know we, we obviously had to come up with the new features and new product developments and things like that so that kind of helped us to slowly uh, spread the serverless knowledge onto different uh, teams i mean we run with this kind of a squad setup so so initially all knowledge pulled into one squad or one team now this that that allowed us to now uh, distribute the knowledge you know amongst other squads so what that helps you to do is to gain more momentum so you can go to certain squads and say that okay here is the new feature to be developed and they can then take on you know ownership and uh, you know go and uh, deliver their solution you don't need to always nowadays um, you know teach them or uh, uh, kind of uh, feed them with all the uh, you know the required knowledge so they can they can look after themselves and come up with the solution obviously you know you need to be you need to work with them to to make them understand the architectural vision or the constructs and things like that so otherwise it becomes a bit more easier so so that's the great benefit that once you come out of the, your initial incubation stage then then that allows you to slowly spread and uh, you know uh, uh, grow with a with, with with a team as it grows that's fantastic and then when y'all started hiring and you mentioned that you were distributing and sharing that knowledge do you have somebody on one of the teams that worked on serverless work with that team did y'all do presentations you have some internal systems for sharing videos or documentation for the whole team to, to learn from um yes yes we do there are a number of things that uh, <clears throat> uh, that 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 help with this so Say for example, internally we have uh, once in two weeks we run a tech review session where uh, engineers are encouraged to come and uh, present or talk about uh, what they learned or uh, or a particular uh, uh, design or architecture or something, and we encourage uh, uh, to write blogs or you know talk to local meetups and conferences so these are these these things are all helping engineers to accumulate knowledge and also to you know be more competent and also eternally when when as part of the sprint reviews and uh, you know uh, the similar activities there's always someone presenting or someone sharing the knowledge so if one team were working on a particular feature then they will obviously come up and share the knowledge so there is a you know sort of a pool of uh, uh, full of knowledge and the sharing around it so that um, helps the helps the engineers to uh, grow up i've seen you on all sorts of uh, different podcasts and meetups and conference talks and so that sounds like there's a, a pretty good culture around that at lego you started talking a little bit i think about the team structure i think you use the word squads how, how have how have y'all structured teams? Has it changed at all with serverless? Um, so yes, with, with that the the squad setup, we have now this sort of a full stack uh, setup. So if if I go to a particular squad, I can easily see see that squad uh, delivering an end to end solution. So like from the front end 
to the GraphQL to the backend serverless services. So that's sort of the, uh, the, the structure that we wanted to have and that's sort of the structure that now we have. So that gives more confidence. So, you know, like I mentioned, so when, when and a new request comes from a product owner and we can say that, okay, so this fits for perfect for this particular squad and they can then take ownership. They can work with me or other senior engineers and uh, architects to, you know, deliver a front end to end solution. And of, of course, there are uh, squads. So we have one squad. They focus heavily on the infrastructure and DevOps and uh, tooling, those sort of things. Obviously, they, they you know, they take uh, ownership of those things, but that they, they help with uh, all other squads to, um, you know, distribute that knowledge and uh, uh, the, the, the work they do. So that then helps others, other squads to, uh, you know, come up as well. So that's sort of the, 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 the structure we, we currently have. Uh, and, and to kind of get into Lego.com's migration to serverless, um, for, for those listening, um, you know, what, what kind of prompted this transition? A few things. I mean, if you listen to my talk, I kind of give a cinematic, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the, the vision. But, uh, so we were running an, um, uh, age old uh, e-commerce platform, which was, I think, going out of uh, support kind of things. And so the thinking was there to move to a better uh, platform. But then I wasn't sure which platform or how. So there were different options we looked at. So but one thing that we wanted to have was more freedom on our side to implement certain logic because Lego.com began the scenes. There are quite a few, you know, the tough um, logic that we need to put in place. So, so that led us to um, seeing this sort of um, hands-free API-based headless commerce solutions. So that was a, an attraction. So that way we could have our own implementation of logic while using these sort of uh, SaaS platforms and things like that. So then the idea was thinking of cloud and uh, the initial thought was like microservices and typically you think of Docker and, uh, you know, containers and instances and things like that. So then we started to focus on what one particular uh, part of the system, which was to do a data pipeline. That kind of uh, uh, gave the sort of uh, indication that maybe serverless can fit here. So we don't need to worry about, uh, you know, spinning our own instances and things like that. So that kind of, you know, uh, took us to one place to the other, spoke to uh, experts in the London uh, serverless meetup community. And that way kind of gave the confidence that, okay, yes, we can, of course, try out with serverless and uh, move forward. So that's how things, you know, kind of slowly uh, came up. But uh, usually I, 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 in my talks, I mentioned this sort of a failure on a Black Friday. Yes, of course, that sort of triggered the sort of um, uh, beyond the, the technical teams. That was the, the trigger point to uh, look something for, uh, you know, something better. So when the initial uh, POCs and uh, trials that with serverless that showed the this sort of the results, then the, you know, the stakeholders and the others were able to see the benefits and get the support. So that's sort of how, you know, it, it came to being serverless. For those who haven't heard uh, Sheen's talk, definitely look that up on uh, 
YouTube or uh, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's all over the place at this point. It was also at Serverless Conference in 2019 as well. And so when you were starting to decide, or when your team was and, and your company was trying to decide, you know, what platform do we switch to? Did y'all spend did y'all spend time researching like switching potentially to containers or some solution like that outside of Serverless? Not really, at least on 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 our side, uh, because. Yes, we were uh, looking at uh, containers because the serverless wasn't uh, that clear around that time for us. But then we also didn't want to, you know, having gone through the pain of having our own hosted solution and things like that, we didn't want to really, you know, mess around with uh, containers and things like that. And then, uh, so the idea then switched to serverless. And when we spoke to uh, people around who were also dealing with the online checkout and, uh, you know, online e-commerce uh, with the serverless presence. So that kind of, uh, you know, um, uh, gave the certification for us to, you know, look, look into serverless. So, so yeah, so that's kind of the, you know, the, the, the mindset that uh, uh, brought us into here. Even now, for example, when we, when we look at uh, uh, managed service, for example, to add on to our uh, serverless ecosystem, we look at, uh, oh, does it really require any, uh, you know, manual adjustments, for example, or, uh, you know, scaling up or down and et cetera. So then if it's uh, fully managed and, you know, serverless, then you say, okay, that's fine. A simple example could be, uh, would you go with uh, Kinesis or Firehose? And uh, our, you know, uh, our our vote will be for Firehose because it's kind of, you know, fully hands-free and, uh, yeah. Yeah, so that, that makes sense um, for, for the exact use case and the, the fact that you all talked to so many people and kind of got a idea really early on that serverless was an option. And and that kind of brings up a question with, when you all made the POC and you started actually uh, building things, was it strictly new features or was there legacy systems that y'all started transitioning and, and how did that play out? As I mentioned, this was a migration from the legacy e-commerce platform onto a new one. But what we didn't do was the typical lift and shift scenario. So what we implemented uh, with serverless or, you know, greenfield new implementation. So that was good in a way because we, we, we had to, you know, uh, bring the logic from the old platform. We didn't have to, you know, just take the old code and run in, uh, uh, in, 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 in serverless. So that was an advantageous point for us. So we were able to implement everything fresh with the old logic where it was applicable with, uh, with, you know, with a new, uh, new logic. And then obviously new features and new, you know, product developments kind of built around this whole thing. So that's why I usually say this is a kind of an ecosystem, which, uh, you know, sort of brings the value. It seems like this was a pretty successful move. Have y'all been transitioning uh, even more things outside of your uh, direct team, like uh, other services or things like that, that for potentially less less of a priority when y'all first started? Yes. And also I'm seeing um, across uh, the corporation, there are other teams when, where I think that, oh, maybe they may be doing, you know, containers or EC2 and things like that. But when they open up and they show the architecture, I see that serverless in place. So that adoption is happening. Within our side, uh, the team I belong, so it's, uh, it's serverless is kind of the, you know, uh, normal now. So there are 
new product developments happening so i can't talk too much about that now but i'm sure me or my colleagues will be sharing that with the community in the you know uh, coming months or later this year so so that that, that there are things you know happening with with the serverless because for us it's uh, it's not just uh, comparing the cost of uh, lambda versus something else when we adopt serverless it's uh, it's it's beyond that so that's the benefit we see and that's how uh, that's how we take things forward yeah that's a that's a very interesting the last part when you started talking about cost this is a great transition point to some cost questions so with uh, the type of systems that you are building, did Lambda end up co- or Lambda and the supporting services end up costing more than what y'all moved away from in the in the raw standpoint? That's uh, difficult to answer because for that you need to know what was the cost before and how do you compare compare compute the cost of your hosted solution with all the you know engineers and resources and all all sorts of things. I mean, early days. People used to uh, compare a particular EC2 instance with uh, uh, Lambda functions, but it's, 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 it's impossible or difficult because you have tons of services that they, they, they come together and give, give, give you the solution. So where do you start? It's not just the Lambda function. So I'm sure there's a, you know, cost benefit, but, uh, for us at the moment is, uh, you know, the, the agility and the, the acceleration um, that the serverless provides us. So I, I, I mean, I, I say that, but I, I also know that I have a task to look at uh, our spending and uh, you know reduce and uh, e- evaluate and uh, you know reduce where possible. But uh, overall, it's uh, it, it is beneficial and also you know it's it's not just comparing. Uh, Apple to orange, so that's uh, that's how I usually take it. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, you know, when you when you talk about the way that I phrase the question with like the raw cost of it, and you totally saw that, and we're kind of like, no, there's also the team aspect, and I and I totally agree. So I think uh, when you think about fully managed services and all the things that Serverless is doing um, at the scale of Lego.com, you almost be able to see real benefit and is it less less operational overhead was there more people that transition to developers and and just the the faster delivery what other benefits uh, yeah. you'll see i mean all, all those things you just mentioned they're all benefits so i i think there was recently last week i think there was uh there was a new product launch and when one particular uh, country we saw a huge spike huge vertical spike and serverless, we didn't have to do anything at all. We didn't even notice that happened. So that's sort of the power you get, um, you know, with the sort of the auto scaling or, uh, uh, the, the serverless and managed services. I, I published a blog post, uh, this morning. Uh, it was kind of a, you know, very light read, uh, reading a blog post. It's about, uh, accelerating with the, uh, serverless. So I, I touched upon, uh, two or three different points there that kind of usually you see what serverless brings to your organization. So I, in that blog post, I talked about uh, the value and how the team dynamics changes and also how you should be able to accelerate with the new serverless technologies or services that uh, get released. So that's sort of, you know, that's pretty much what I usually talk about uh, serverless and the benefits it brings. 
And so uh, some other questions around serverless and some of the things that y'all uh, may have faced. Uh, do you see um, the development culture at all change um, with uh, maybe as you, de- you described with the squad with the team kind of controlling and then delivery? Was there any other uh, kind of shifts that took place? So when you, when you bring serverless to a, a team and you're not just programming, you know, a Lambda functions, you also stitching together different serverless managed services. So you are, you know, all of a sudden you try to understand what's uh, queuing, what is SQS, what's, uh, you know, a notification service, what is, uh, uh, event bus and all sorts of things you, you know, soon come to realize. And then you also then learn that it's not just my Lambda function that I need to optimize. I also need to optimize number of different services and I can individually optimize them per, you know, requirement as, as they, as they progress. And also the other, I mean, you touched upon the end to end, uh, you know, the, the cycle they become familiar with. The other, other thing is that, uh, the interest in what they do or the ownership culture, which I see it's, uh, you know, uh, quite beneficial when you move to, uh, serverless and that way they then, uh, become uh, aware of when there is an alert going to their uh, Teams channel or when there is an alert sent out from your monitoring tool. So they jump in and try to analyze and uh, come up with solutions or uh, updates to rest of the team on what's happening. So, you know, the, the entire, the, the dynamics of the, the team kind of changes. And of course, you know, you need to be, you need to have enablers that can provide that sort of a, an environment or a culture for them to grow as well. But given that, yeah, then you can reap all these sort of benefits uh, 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 we just uh, talked about. Wow. Yeah. Well, well perfect. Um, I think we're, we're coming up to time. So uh, I'd like to give you a chance, uh, Sheen, if you want to shout anything out or promote anything that you're working on, um, feel free. No, no, no secret projects as such, but uh, I mean, obviously, I tend to write blogs uh, here and there, and I also encourage engineers to write. So there's a, a Lego engineering um, channel on Medium where they, um, you know, feed all their uh, uh, thoughts and ideas and everything. And uh, in terms of technology, I am a great fan of uh, Amazon EventBridge. So that I'm... Uh, uh, closely working with uh, our engineers and also I'm touched with uh, the EventBridge team and trying to uh, extract value out of that uh, wherever possible uh, within within our uh, uh, the work that we do. So I'm 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 looking forward to more features coming out and really exciting uh, on that front. Fantastic! All right, well, hopefully everybody check out the Lego Engineering Channel on Medium. Also, Sheen's blogs are uh, probably. F- full rich of information and things like that. So definitely check that out too. Um, you know, thanks again, Sheen. It's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Pleasure, Ryan. Thanks so much for having me. All right. To those listening, this has been the Talking Serverless Podcast hosted by Ryan Jones. If you like our show and you want to learn more, check out talkingserverless.io or please leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. And of course, join us next time as we sit down with another fantastic serverless guest.